Welcome to Green Energy Videos. My name is Simon Duncan and I'm the creator of Green Energy Videos. Green Energy Videos is an online video communications company focused specifically on renewable energy and sustainability. For this series of podcasts, I'll be focusing on the exciting and innovative approach to Australia's energy needs. There's something unique in northeast Victoria, Australia. Rolling hills, valleys of beauty, fine dining and wine, winter sports and more. But in this podcast series, I'm wanting to talk about something different. Renewable energy and how various communities of northeast Victoria are taking up this call and running with it in a unique and exciting way. Collaboration, survival, identity and empowerment are major themes I'm wanting to explore in this series. A catchphrase for this series might be, how can non-experts achieve so much? So please, listen, enjoy, and hopefully be inspired. Today I'm in Wodonga on the border between Victoria and New South Wales on the Murray River. Wodonga sits 300 kilometres northeast from Melbourne on a major transport corridor to Sydney and Brisbane. Today's podcast introduces RAW, Renewable Aubrey Wodonga Energy another of our exciting and dynamic community energy groups in the northeast of Victoria. Like all the groups we have been hearing from, RAW comes with its own aims, reasons and focus areas. I'd like to welcome Bobby McKibben, a founding member of RAW and a person with an insatiable appetite for renewable energy and how this challenge can bring about change and in particular social change. Welcome Bobby. Hi Simon. So, uh, Raw's one of was one of the first community energy groups, a bit like Totally Renewable Yak and Danda, 2014 or so. Could you yep. give us a snapshot? We were actually born out of the very same meeting that Tri was born out of. So, they held a community meeting in Yak and Danda in 2014, and they had 80 to 100 people there. And towards the end of the day, we went into breakout groups and one was it was sort of geographically yeah. based and one was for Aubrey Wodonga and there were about 15 to 20 people there and I thought hmm looks like there's, there's a bit some, of an there's, interest there's something in this <laughs> that's it yeah. Let, let's have a look at this and let's pursue that so so that's how we came about because this series is actually on the community groups in the northeast of Victoria, but you're incorporating Aubrey as well. Since we're sitting right on the border, yeah. what why was the kind of, what was the thinking? Why just not Wodonga? Why did you go for Aubrey? Yeah, Wodonga. So geographically, we do sit completely differently to most other groups, um, and in so many ways, it is a part of our everyday life having to deal with two states um, or three to five governments by the time you add in federal, state and local. And just for those listeners internationally, if anyone is listening, (laughs) Victoria is a state, New South Wales is a state and Wodonga sits right on the border and literally across the river is Albury in another state. Yep, and it's literally a river that is the border. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so we take the perspective of the fact that we are one community because we don't want to have that river or the state border dictate on what we can and cannot do effectively. Um, And we are one community, so we want to treat it that way. And we really wanted to 
embrace that and promote that um, by way of why do we have to do something in Victoria? Why do we have to do something that's the same thing but different in New South Wales? Why can't we merge it all as one? And geographically compared to the other groups we've been speaking to, you are the biggest in the sense of Albury and Wodonga, total population of probably around 60 or 70,000 or 80? Yeah, close to 100. Yes, there we go. Yeah, Yeah. so population-wise, yeah, we are incredibly large. That also then changes the style of project that we have, the style of community engagement we have, um, our our ability to engage with community as well. It changes our complete dynamic to all the other community energy groups. Yeah, which is which is very interesting. So let's kind of go to Raw's energy formation, and I'm going to throw some words at you that were at the core or is at the core of your identity is like social justice, climate change, and control. So. What was, why were these the driving forces for RAW's kind of um, mission statement? Yeah. Um, I think number one is certainly climate change. Of course. We're yep. not one of the deniers, that's for sure. Yep. And I think the vast majority of us are, are certainly not deniers anymore. The the deniers are certainly in a very small fraction. Minority, maybe vocal However, at some times. Yeah, yes. that's right. However, that's something that we're continually up so against. So that's a given, the climate, uh, climate aspect. That's right. Okay, it's, so. it's just – that's just – I think you speak to, you know, you can speak to anybody now and climate change is just a part of their everyday life mm. um, and we are all adapting in our own way, um, either directly or indirectly and either consciously or subconsciously to mitigate climate change in our future. So let's say that's a given. Let's move on to the social justice. Why yeah. is that really? And firstly, just for the listeners, how do you interpret social justice? What does it mean as a... So for us, it's really about we know that we're on this transition path away from coal-fired and traditional um, energy-making methods Mm -hmm. effectively and we're transitioning to a renewable energy future. We've been on that path for some time. Um, However, there has been great concern about those within the community that don't have the ability to put solar on their own roofs. They're the ones that seem to be left footing the bill. And how would and we categorise them? So, are, like, are they renters? Are they yeah, a lot of them are renters. Then you've got your um, your low socioeconomic group as well. So, um, and, and a lot of those people can actually be homeowners as well. So, you know, you've got your elderly pensioners and all that sort of stuff that might not be able to afford to put solar on their own roofs. So... Our aim is to make sure that those people are not left behind. And another thing that's unique, and everybody loves a great stat, but this is a stat that we really wish we did not have. Wodonga has one of the highest disconnection rates in the state of Victoria. 72%. We are. It's. I, don't, mm. I couldn't tell you. I, I don't I, I pulled want that off to. The Wodong- <laughs> I pulled that off the Wodonga yeah. Council website, among other yeah. stats, but it is a very frightening it's, um, it's and shocking. Yep. It, it's absolutely shocking to think that somebody in our street, somebody in our neighbourhood, um, family members, all that sort of stuff are in that situation. Energy poverty is a real term and it is very true. And it doesn't get much of a voice in the media. No. We, we, we hear a lot about renewable energy and all the bells and whistles, but when we get into the nuts and bolts of some of the unsettling side of it, this is really a, an area mm. that needs um investigation yeah so that's why that's always been at our core 
Um, and we also have a very transient population here as well in Wodonga because we have a lot of um, industry here that creates you know, people coming and going effectively. So we've got a large army base um, that has a lot of people coming and going as well. So we do have a very high population of renters um, and we, you don't ever want to see anybody left behind in anything in life. So um, that's why it's at our very core of the core of our being is looking after those people. Excellent. So, so that's kind of clarified that let's kind of expand that on and in the sense of collaboration and collaboration with council can you tell us a bit about that how RAWS kind of developed a very interesting dialogue with council yeah so when we very first started um, we discovered well we knew if we were going to have any success at all we knew we needed to have council on side Um, so straight up we went to the Wodonga council and then the Albury council because they are separate (laughs) One city, two separate councils. Um, So, yeah, so we went to both of them and told them what our our vision was and it actually related directly to their strategic plans as well. So they embraced us, we embraced them and they've been incredible support to us over the years Um, and we've actually partnered with Wodonga Council on a couple of funding um, projects that we've had, which has been wonderful. Uh, so they've certainly lent us a lot of expertise in that regard as well. So we've been really And, and it's a reciprocal dialogue because you, you, you're definitely bringing something to the council. Yes. That, that ticks one of their boxes and they think, great. And it kind community of wor- engagement. Exactly. Tick. <laughs> yeah. Well, tick and, and not being cynical, but it's a community group coming. So it's quite of, um, it's natural council should be yeah. kind of optimistic and positive and warm to this. Yeah. I think it, this is something that we're really starting to see over the last couple of years in Australia is that it's actually been local councils that have been standing up and taking a stance on some incredibly important uh, topics in our community and in society. So climate change is merely one of those and they are taking the lead and they are certainly working with their communities, embracing their communities' ideas as well, which is great. And even having the phrase in council kind of mission statements of climate crisis or climate Mm. emergency, this kind of vocabulary or this phrasing kind of coming into into being recognised. Yep, the language is starting to turn. Okay. And, And that's what you've got to put on it, so... Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So that's that kind of t- taps into our theme of kind of collaboration, collaboration with council, mm-hmm. but equally so, you collaborate with other groups in the northeast of Victoria. It's just not like uh, uh, you're not an island unto yourself. No. One of the things we've said from the get go is we don't want to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. So, therefore, it's been really important for us to work with other local community groups and community energy is new. And this is something that all of us have come to with little knowledge, like we all come from diverse backgrounds and professionally diverse backgrounds as well. Um, But community energy in Australia was new. So therefore, you know, there's, there's value and there's huge economical benefit and knowledge benefit by sharing. And that's where community energy is a sector that is unlike any other by way of it's open book style stuff it's like you know we're not going to share it we're not going to keep secrets it's oh yeah yeah we did this we did that blah 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 oh no that didn't work but it might work for you because of this blah you know that sort of reason so to be a part of that network and working with other community energy groups is really really powerful 
um, and exciting and one of the reasons is because unfortunately we do lack a lot of that leadership at a governmental level, at a, a federal level particularly, um, to have the backing of those around you. You then you can pick yourself up and dust yourself off when you see a bad article in the paper. Safety in numbers. Exactly. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Good. Let's kind of go on to a couple of the... What you've achieved to date, I've just got uh, I've got some words here: solar farm, CR, CER, and beyond housing. Just kind of let's kind of uh, yep. up to where we are today. So, we've been working on a solar farm since two thousand and fifteen. Mm. So, and it's taking a long time, and these things do. But what we're trying to do is quite unique, and we've been doing it under government funding as well. So, therefore, it is a, a long drawn out process. process. Yes, so. um, but our aim is to build a minimum of a two megawatt size in solar farm, but that solar farm has to have direct benefit back to those in the community that can't put or are unable to put solar on their own home. So taking it right back to what our core um, objective is. Uh, so we're working through that and we are sort of hopefully getting to the point where we'll have a prospectus to deliver to the community and um, then hopefully projects will follow at the same time as well. So we're getting to the pointy end, um, but still we don't, we, you know, we haven't had panels on roofs or anything like that as a, as a part of this and how that project make, may look has actually evolved over time as well because when we first started looking at, a two megawatt solar farm in 2014, it was, 2015, it was, it was huge. Good, yeah. Now they're talking 200 and 300 megawatt size and all that sort of stuff. So ours is just tiny now. Just, just for, for the listeners, kind of, okay, two, let's say a two megawatt, um, how many houses could that power? Like what? what's kind of, yeah, something, because two megawatt would be to a majority of us saying, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah, I think it was equivalent to putting um, – 300 two kilowatt systems on individual roofs so that was one of the other options we looked at through our funding agreement was do we look at doing it that way or do we look at doing it this way um and there's been lots of bumps in the road to get to this point as well because because the um the the landscape of, of solar farm and i don't mean geographical but just uh, metaphorically, the landscape of, of the solar farm has effectively changed. Mm. Do we do it in corp in conjunction with a larger developer or do we do it as a standalone or do we do behind the meter project? And this would be a or, moving target. You know, this, is not, this is kind of evolving oh, as an industry and as a domain. Which it's <laughs> been insane. <laughs> it's been insane to try and track it, but there's been a lot of learning curves. Uh, and, you know, we, like I said, we share our our learnings with others as well. So, and yeah, it's quite amazing how one conversation can completely change the course of the project sort of thing. Excellent. Let's move on to another project that actually is kind of in place. And this is your collaboration with Beyond Housing. Yeah. So just kind of from Raw's perspective, just give us an outline of what that project is. Yeah. So Beyond Housing partnership was actually born out of our solar farm project so it forms part of our community energy benefits scheme and that's what we wanted to develop so beyond housing is a local social housing network and obviously they deal with people that are at high risk of being homeless and very much an organization on the front line absolutely so having a partnership with them just you know 
it was just absolutely common sense. So we were really lucky in um, the fact that Ben McGowan, who was working for RAW, he applied for some funding under the Victorian Renewable Communities Fund and we were successful in getting funding. So that has been able to see us install 10 4-kilowatt systems on 10 of Beyond Housing's housing stock in Wodonga. So and they, these residents, how would you kind of uh, describe these residents? They're just everyday people yep. that are doing it tough because of their costs of living. So the burden of the electricity bills, the burden of, you know, just everything with life. Life is tough. Um, and you don't even have to be in a point of hardship to realise that where, you know, life is just tough. So these people are amazing and one of them that we interviewed um, – she has a child with special needs and, you know, there's health issues like asthma and stuff like that as well. So having temperatures in their house set at, at minimums and at maximum sort of thing so that the house is constantly comfortable is vital. And that was something that actually really resonated with me because I was, my mum always said she could tell what the temperature was by my asthma attacks. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So, um, yeah, so to be dealing with somebody who dealing with a mum like that, I'm sitting there going, yep, that was me. Um, so to have these projects where they will actually, you know, gain the great benefit of having solar and reducing a lot of their overheads will be really exciting. So the other part of that is they get what's called a newbie, um, which is an energy monitoring and energy management device that is produced and made in Australia by Mondo. And that will actually give the residents visibility of what their power usage is and what their solar production is. So they'll be able to make better decisions about when to use their power and how they're using their power. And we do know research has proven that as soon as somebody can see their electricity usage, they can reduce their electricity bills by up to 15% just through simple behaviour change. So that's an, yeah, that's an interesting point because it is, of course, to reduce the, the, the energy bill. That's kind of one that's throttling the, all, all these kind of people. But also it's kind of an education tool too for, for the yeah, household. Absolutely. For, you know, God, however long electricity's been around, it's been invisible. Exactly. Yep. So it's not something you see. It's only something you see once every three months when you get your electricity bill and go, oh, crap, how am I going to pay for that? Um, And that's by way of making it visible through energy monitoring. It then just, you know, it's like when you go to the petrol station every week you can and you see your fuel gauge in your car, you've got that visibility. You know where you're at. You can have a gauge. So, and that's what this monitoring system will actually give them is it will pardon the pun, give them the power. Yeah, <laughs> why not? <laughs> Very much so. Um, so this collaboration with Beyond Housing, it's one of the first, isn't it? It is one of the first. There's been others similar, um, but pre- predominantly metropolitan. Yes. So this is the first that we've seen in the country and this is something that we'd really hope becomes a um, a blueprint effectively for for not only other beyond housing houses but other social housing organizations to look at and adopt into their everyday business as well so beyond housing have a very um, sustainable outlook 
uh, in their ethos as well, which is really good. So it fits. Um, so they know that, yeah, this has a direct impact and it's just vital for them. So it's quite exciting to have this as one of the first and we will be working closely with them over the next 12 months to check in and see how they're doing because there is a whole lot of education that happens around it as well. There's also education and with the Ubi smart device, there's also a huge collection of data. Mm-hmm. that can be kind of seen and, uh, and analysed and looked at. So there's that aspect of it too, which is uh, accumulating all this information. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, there's 10 houses, um, many more to come, I hope, in Hopefully. the future. <laughs> and that way. Um, but would, would have this been something Raw could have done by themselves? Or is that collaboration with Beyond Housing? Um, if we... We would have had to have gone and knocked on Beyond Housing's door individually, uh, which is effectively what we did anyway when we asked them to come onto our reference group for our solar farm. Um, we did knock on the door and say, look, this is what our vision is. Would you be interested in coming onto the reference group? And they said, yeah, you know, we, we wanted to have them at the table because one thing that we know with people in – our society that are struggling, they do not, and none of us, nobody likes to be told this is what we're doing, this is how we're doing it, and that's it. Everybody likes to be consulted and everybody likes to feel as though they have some valued input. And in control. Yep, and that's what that was about. So we, you know, we didn't want to go out there and tell people what we were doing. We want to bring the community with us. We want the community to direct us on what they want us to do. We're here working for the community. So we wouldn't be able to do this by ourselves or we, you know, you might, but take a hell of a lot longer. And also, um, and also you know, uh, it, it's, it's a collaboration and it's, it's, that's another thing at the core, you know, of RAW too, to yeah. collaborate and to engage with community groups yeah. um, in this way. So this is kind of quite an exciting exciting kind of project and uh, it's just kind of started. You've done, what, four or five of the homes for, of the ten? Yeah, we're halfway through. Halfway through and as we're kind of coming out of uh, winter into Australia, then that will kind of hopefully give a lot of uh, – take a lot of pressure off these families throughout the summer months and um, – following it throughout the year yeah installation wise the timing's been perfect heading into spring so you know beautiful production times for solar and through summer as well so if we'd done it at start of winter although even though we haven't really had a hell of a lot of rain this winter it's been pretty mild um you know they might have been a little bit disappointed so because winter months aren't that friendly to solar necessarily so heading in now um but through our education process we were certainly making them aware of what to expect next winter because they're going to they're going to be really excited about what it does through spring and summer and autumn um so we don't want them to get a big shock next winter (laughs) were there any unforeseen obstacles that you discovered throughout this process um no not particularly so for yeah, no, not particularly because we've worked closely and this has been a project that's been in the pipeline for quite some time now. Um, there haven't been particular roadblocks or anything that Excellent. we've had. We've been really lucky. Um, same as anything, you know, working around other people's schedules is always difficult, but that's what you get 
with anything that's anyway. Any, any you know, that's any a, business. That's day-to-day so life. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So, yeah, so nothing that's any different to any other customer or any other day. Good. As we're coming towards the end of our kind of conversation, yeah, I just want to kind of last topic I'd like, like you to say a few comments on is how important community engagement is. Oh. <laughs> it's a bit. It is, it's, a bit oh, ob- it's a bit obvious, but it is in the exact same basket as climate change. It is a given. It is absolutely vital to everything that we do, and it is it is something that is not practiced widely. So, give us some example. What does it mean? So, to, uh, community engagement. Bit, uh, community engagement. If you're doing anything. <sighs> If it's it's if it's going to have any community benefit, you've got to know what the community wants. That our very first um, event that we had in two thousand and fourteen was a big forum to find out if the community actually wanted something like this. If they didn't want it, we wouldn't have done it. So that was that's vital. And then you've got to then empower them to have trust in you and trust in the process that they can put forward their ideas, um, even if they are pie-in-the-sky dreams. All of this started as a pie-in-the-sky dream. So, you know, you've got to empower them and bring them along. And if you want, yeah, you've got to find out what they want out of it as well. So community engagement is absolutely paramount and the most important thing you will ever do. It's the way you put it like that. It, it's it's a given. It's quite common sense, but it is often one that is definitely left out of a lot of kind yep. of business models. Yeah, sadly, we have seen it with a solar farm developer that did want to come into the area, and the first anybody heard or saw of that solar farm was on the local paper on the front page on a Saturday morning, saying that this is what we're going to build. This is where we're going to build it. This is when we're going to do it. And as a, community, no, as a community member, go, oh, really? Are you? Well, oh, well, well yeah. the people that were living on the borderline of oh, where I, that I was going to be, be built, fair income, you know, you can't blame them for jumping up and down going, we bought our property with these views, with this aspect for a reason, blah, blah, blah. They were, there was zero, absolutely zero community engagement up to that point. And they got absolutely caned when mm-hmm. they had a community a community event probably rightly so yeah absolutely absolutely did not blame the residents one iota they had every right to complain so obviously community engagement is crucial it's something that has to it's not just done at the beginning of a project it's always an ongoing kind of dialogue with your community because people are changing things are changing and it's kind of to hear community also to give community the facts of kind of uh, misconceptions or yeah. that is to kind of communicate that. That's right. Well, this is new. So solar farms and wind farms and all that sort of stuff is new to our country. So we're not quite like Europe where there's been wind farms for, for ever and a day sort of thing or, um, you know, solar like they do in Germany, which that's another frustration of mine, uh-huh. how they're number one in the world and we're not. That's I yep, struggle well, with that. Give us time. <laughs> a little, we'll a little bit of competition <laughs> there. Um, so, you know, this is new for communities. So we have to we have to listen to their views and we have to we have to ensure that they feel like they're being heard and they're being understood and some of their concerns are valid. So we have to be able to work with that. We have to be able to work with our objectors as we do our supporters as well. So, um, 
if you want community to own it in, you know, many different aspects of the word ownership, then, yeah, you have to have that um, community engagement. It's just vital. That's a wonderful way to wrap up this podcast. There are some really fascinating, insightful kind of points that Bobby's made out here uh, that anyone wanting, any community wanting to start up, that, you know, kind of learn from these lessons that have been talked about here because they will just save you miles down the path in any future development. So I'd like to say, to say thank you to Bobby and I'll let you kind of relax because you're looking a bit under the weather today. <laughs> Thanks, Simon. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> This episode of Green Energy Videos was produced by Simon Duncan and Juliet Milbank.